Welcome to the Energy Markets Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee, and today's conversation is with Sharon Segner, Senior Vice President with LS Power. Sharon, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk today about a key issue the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission will address in a pending rulemaking that everyone in the industry is eagerly following. So let's try to unpack this, as NPR says. You know, you know, Sharon, I got to tell you, there are some wacky acronyms in electricity land, but ROFR has to be one of the more outlandish, right? Absolutely. ROFR stands for Right of First Refusal. This refers to a monopoly utilities right under law to be offered first refusal to build any necessary transmission expansions. And under the two major bills Congress passed and which President Biden signed into law in recent months, those bills being the infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, we're about to spend buckets and buckets of money on big new transmission projects. And these monopoly utilities with ROFR, they will get the work automatically at what's called a cost plus rate. They get what it costs to build the line plus a rate of return. Then if it costs more than the amount they told the Regulatory Oversight Commission it would cost, or in other words, if they bid too low and their costs exceed the approved amount, then the commission allows them to come back and get cost recovery for that plus a rate of return. Nice work if you can get it. Absolutely, absolutely. What we're having a discussion across the country today is in order to facilitate the clean energy transition, there's going to be a big need for a lot of new transmission. And what FERC is teed up here is should the clean energy transition be a clean energy monopoly or should it be competitive? Okay. Your company wanted to build a transmission line in Minnesota, but the state said no. The monopoly utilities there have a ROFR, so you couldn't competitively bid on the transmission expansion project that the FERC-regulated Midwest ISO said needed to be built. So ultimately, after a lot of billable hours, you took the matter before the Eighth Circuit, U.S. Court of Appeals. Tell us the rationale for the appeals court's determination that ROFR precluded you from bidding on the transmission expansion project and potentially saving consumers money. So I would say that in the aftermath of Order 1000, a number of states, primarily in the upper Midwest, passed these right of first refusal laws. And LS Power was active on the ground when these laws were moving through. And we looked at the situation and we, first of all, take the viewpoint that FERC can address these state right of first refusal laws. And we believe they have the power to address these state right of first refusal laws. But we looked at the situation and we said, there's another problem with these laws. They're not constitutional. And the reason that they're not constitutional is that FERC has exclusive authority over the transmission grid. And these costs of these lines are paid for by surrounding states. The Minnesota line that was subject in this litigation was paid for 60% by consumers in Iowa. And here you have these laws being passed by a state to protect the incumbent owners in that particular state, yet they're being paid for by citizens of other states. And we said, 
that really doesn't make a lot of sense from a dormant commerce clause standpoint, because transmission in and of itself is innately interstate. And basically, we looked at the situation and said, they violate the dormant commerce clause. We took the case to the Minnesota, uh, to the, the lower court, and then at the Eighth Circuit. The Department of Justice filed a statement of interest in the lower court decision, as well as at the Eighth Circuit, which is actually very unusual for the United States Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice says they've raised some good points. There's some real issues here from a dormant commerce cost standpoint. The Eighth Circuit didn't see it that way. And the Eighth Circuit focused, and we think that they got it wrong in a very significant way because the Eighth Circuit decision took positions that perhaps transmission is more intrastate than interstate. As I understand the dormant interstate commerce clause, the dormant interstate commerce clause is a legal principle that states can't adopt a state law that impedes interstate commerce. In other words, back when I was a reporter, I wrote a ton of stories about states trying to bar uh, solid waste shipments, you know, garbage to a different state. And the states would enact laws to keep it out. And the courts have roundly said, no, you can't do that because of the dormant interstate commerce clause. So that brings us to Texas. And in a similar case that arose out of Texas in a dispute involving ERCOT, the Electricity Reliability Council of Texas, NextEra Energy, a huge utility company based in Florida, was told it couldn't compete or to bid on the ERCOT transmission expansion project because of ROFR. And on appeal to the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, which is typically a very conservative court, right? The Fifth Circuit? The Fifth Circuit had a completely different, dramatically different result, which I guess supported your arguments about the dormant interstate commerce clause. That's correct. And a little bit more history in terms of what happened in the Fifth Circuit. So in in Texas, Texas um, has ERCOT under it. But also pieces of Texas have MISO, SPP, and a region called WestConnect. And those SPP, MISO, and WestConnect areas are FERC jurisdictional. There was a competitive process in MISO in eastern Texas. And NextEra won that project, fair and square. Um, and so essentially... Um, after NextEra was awarded the project from MISO, the competitive process that happened, the incumbent transmission owners in the state got together and said, let's stop competition in Texas. And so they passed a law that essentially said that new entrants can't get CPCNs in the state. And so essentially, it was a direct target of the MISO competitive process to essentially yank the project for NextEra. And so NextEra brought the case, and certainly there are lots of other parties, such as LS Power, that are quite interested in it as well. But the Fifth Circuit looked at the situation and said, hey, this is a protectionist law. It's protectionist through and through. And uh, we can't be passing these laws, just like the Supreme Court has said, 
you can't pass protectionist laws relating to milk and whiskey. The same thing's true for electric transmission. And the, and the Fifth Circuit clearly understood that in the case of the Texas project that was part of MISO, that was paid for by citizens outside of the state of Texas. And here you have the legislature getting involved in what other states um, are paying for. And that's just not right. So we are, we're really excited to see that decision. Um, and uh, the Fifth Circuit got it right. And, and, and I hope that it is, um, in, it, it, I hope that it provides uh, FERC the courage as well to look very suspiciously um, at these state for laws. And there's also now a case that was filed a couple months ago at FERC that is relating to all of these MISO ROFR laws in aggregate um, that have passed asking FERC to address them. Clearly FERC has the authority. So essentially the history with that issue is that when the Order 1000 compliance filings were going through, um, FERC initially said, hey, we're not gonna allow these sort of state ROFR laws. Um, to um, to impact the regional planning process. And then in the rehearing process for MISO and SPP's um, orders, um, essentially at that point, um, FERC said they reversed themselves on rehearing and they said they would recognize them. So essentially FERC provided an incentive um, for these state ROFR laws to happen. and. If you, the incentive is, is it twofold? First of all, if one of these laws passes, the project automatically essentially goes to the transmission owners. But there's an additional incentive from the TO standpoint that you don't even have to have a competitive process in MISO or SPP. So the existence of one of these laws um, is part of, it is also um, you know, precludes even the consumers knowing what their alternatives were. And these are things that were not originally part of Order 1000. They were part of the compliance filings for MISO and SPP. And so clearly, the situation with these ROFR laws is clearly within FERC's prerogative to address them because they could correct these issues that came out of the compliance filings as well. So let's talk a little bit about how you've got transmission that's FERC regulated, but the states have authority over it? Yeah. So essentially what FERC regulates is the rates and to ensure that the rates that are paid for over a multi-state region or multi-zone region are just and reasonable. And what the states have authority over is the actual siting and the construction of those lines. And so basically, you know, what is happening now in MISO is you have projects that are, um, have a right of first refusal associated with them where the rates are being paid for by other states. And clearly that is a situation that is under FERC's um, clear authority. Okay, so let's take it out of that realm and, and take it into the regulatory realm. We're, we're gonna talk about what FERC proposed in its NOPER, 
or notice of proposed rulemaking. Let's talk about FERC and Rofer in the NOPER. So FERC uh, has proposed that states can have Rofer or should have Rofer. I don't know. Explain it to me because they don't pay me to read these things anymore. So essentially, um, the law of the land today in MISO and SPP is that these state laws, uh, these state Rofer laws are recognized in the federal planning process today. And then in April, FERC came out with their transmission NOFR. And so they didn't address the issue with the state ropers, but instead FERC suggested that they would add two additional ropers. And essentially the practical effect of both of those suggested ropers is it is very much um, um, provides a very bleak outlook for competitive transmission in the United States. Okay. So like I said, nobody's paying me to read these things anymore. So, but, you know, from reading the trade press, it seems to me that uh, FERC's ROFR proposal uh, generated a lot of comment and that a lot of the comment was opposed to that. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. So if you align it up, it's about 150 parties. Yeah. Across the United States. W- was that a majority of the commenters? Yes. Yeah. And I think very notably, the the United States Department of Justice, as well as the Federal Trade Commission, weighed in strongly opposing um, the comments and the ideas that FERC had as well. And the filing from the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission was a essentially 24, 25 page filing. And the Federal Trade Commission often does comment in these rulemakings. It's, it's somewhat unusual, but not, you know, it, it's rare. It's, it's not unheard of. It's not unheard of. But in this situation, the Federal Trade Commission comments uh, went up to the full commissioners at the Federal Trade Commission And on a 5-0 commissioner vote and a bipartisan uh, vote, the Federal Trade Commission said to FERC, this is a very bad idea. And that's very unusual because sometimes you see staff comments, but in this situation, you have the full weight of not only the staff of the Federal Trade Commission, but also the five commissioners on a bipartisan basis of course, and the United States Department of Justice with a very strong punchline at the end uh, reminding FERC of the president's um, executive order um, about a year and a half ago for a whole-of-government approach toward competition. Now, we've had on the podcast in the past uh, Rob Gramlich of Grid Strategies and uh, Larry Gasteiger of Wires. And on, uh, on their conversations with me, they asserted that competition hasn't worked for transmission. And so that's why we should just go with the ROFR. But you know, there's a study, uh, uh, one study, uh, part of the record that I think refuted that. Can you talk to that? Yes. And I would also say that the, um, the Seventh Circuit and all of the court cases that upheld Order 1000, which ushered in competition, all strongly supported the legal basis for competition and transmission. 
Um, so FERC would have, have to deal with all of that precedent um, if they move forward um, with this idea. But in addition, though, studies were um, part of the record that the Department of Justice offered um, in their comments, as well as the Federal Trade Commission on the benefits of competition. The California PUC filed comments, extensive comments, updating um, the, the benefits of what they've seen on the benefits of the competitive processes. And NextEra, in their comments, um, filed um, affidavits. And then in addition, the Massachusetts Attorney General um, filed affidavits on their economic studies. And then last but not least, the United Kingdom, six um, about um, a year ago, excuse me, um, did their own assessment of the of the benefits of competition in the United States. And the UK came to the conclusion that the competitive processes in the United States generally have yielded between 22 and 42% cost savings. And the number that they're using in their analysis is that 22% cost savings. Okay, that, that, that's helpful. So you know, you're saying that it seems to me from looking at this situation, that competition hasn't had a chance to work in transmission. Do you agree with that? I would say that the competition that we've had has been successful. Um, and But in terms of have we had enough of it? No, we haven't had enough of it. Mm -hmm. um, I've always thought of it that the original, um, the original um, goal and kind of where FERC's head was when Order 1000 came out was that roughly 25% of the transmission would be competitive um, in the United States. And what we've seen over the last decade, depending on the region, anywhere from three to 10%. And we've also seen um, a lot of significant transmission get built in the state of New York and California, but in particularly in New York under the competitive frameworks, and it's been highly successful. So you have a, a different point of view than uh, Rob and uh, Larry. Yeah. With so respect, yes. So let's talk about what's called bundled rates, okay, which goes back to my question about this conflict between state and federal jurisdiction. Uh, you know, so electricity is basically three components. It's the energy, and then it's the uh, interstate transmission, which is FERC regulated, which brings the energy to the distribution system that's state regulated. And this issue was actually... Uh, you know, addressed by the Supreme Court in its opinion upholding orders 888 and 889 from FERC. Um, you know, uh, Enron, uh, may it rest in peace, argued that FERC had the authority under the Federal Power Act to assert jurisdiction over that part of transmission bundled into this bundled rate. And I think outside of standard market design, uh, there's not been an effort to really pursue that uh, invitation from the Supreme Court, have they? That's a, a great point. Um, if you look at the New York versus FERC case, going back 20 years ago, which dealt with the issues that you're raising, I, I think that a lot of what, what the Supreme Court very clearly said is that FERC has exclusive authority over transmission. And they have 
the ability to assert authority over the local planning process. To date, um, I would say it's been a light-handed approach uh, that FERC has used. And folks have said, had given a lot of criticisms and said, hey, well, under Order 1000, there's been a lot more you know, local planning going on. FERC has the authority to get this situation under control, and it's, un- it's sitting in that Supreme Court case. And so what FERC has to do is, with due respect, they have to use the authority. And um, that's what's required here. I think the Supreme Court spoke in New York versus FERC. FERC has the authority to address the situation. In addition, Order 1000 was very clear that the interregional planning process trumps the regional planning process, and the regional planning process trumps the local planning process. What they call the IRP. Yes. The Integrated Resource Plan. That's correct. And the Order 1000 regions are supposed to be strong regional planners. FERC has the full authority today to enforce that. They need to use the tools that are in their tool bag. And I do not think that um, addressing these situations and the the various issues that are going on, a rulemaking is one option. And certainly the country is, is opining on rulemakings. But that is not the only tool that FERC has in their tool bag, and FERC can use their tools. At the end of the day, you look at the transmission spin that's going on across the country, and transmission is the fastest growing portion of consumers' bills on their energy bill. We have to have FERC that's using its powers. And in competition, with all due respect, This is a lot of money, and competition brings consumer uh, benefits, and competition should be fully used. Well, this argument sounds familiar to me, this argument that competition hasn't worked well. Um, Well, I guess on face value, that's true, because of Roeford, it hasn't worked well. Uh, But you say it's worked well where competition has been allowed to happen. That resonates with me uh, because for many years I was the media consultant for the Retail Energy Supply Association. And um, we constantly hear in, in the retail markets that competition hasn't worked. We should go back to rate regulation. And really, competition hasn't been given a chance to work at retail except in Texas. And and so um, it, it seems to me that um, if we're going to transition to a clean energy economy, and the grid's a big part of that, we're going to be plugging in EVs left and right, and that's going to, what, double electricity demand? So transmission is the fastest growing segment of that bundled rate. And I think the energy price is probably, on an inflation-adjusted basis, the lowest it's ever been. Absolutely. And and I would point to, if you look at the NOPR comments that were just filed, NRG in their comments had a very good appendix where they had an independent study broken out on where those cost increases are occurring by state in energy versus transmission. And I thought that their 
appendix made a very compelling case for what's going on with transmission spend in this country. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really clear that if we're going to make this transition, at least cost to consumers, we need to have competition. That's what my company would say. And, and, uh, we are appreciative and, and grateful to see that in the NOPER comments that there were over 150 parties that came out saying, FERC, you're on the wrong track. And we do not think that FERC has the record for these sort of proposals. Um, examples of parties that came out opposing FERC's idea to soften up on, on competition, the California PUC, NESCO, the majority of OPSI states. In addition, I would add that you saw the Clean, um, the Clean Energy Buyers Association. You also saw um, EPSA, large trade associations, and a huge coalition of large energy consumers saying across the country, this is a very bad idea. So there's been the rule proposal earlier this year, then there were comments on a rule proposal, and now you've finished the reply comments stage of the rulemaking process, right? And so now it's the record is in FERC's capable hands, and they have to come up with a decision. That's correct. And this is the point in the process where ideas get dropped, and this is a great time to drop that um, right for idea. Yeah. Well, having been inside 888 First Street Northeast, I wonder if there weren't some commissioners at FERC that wanted ROFR versus others that wanted to do away with ROFR. And so maybe uh, Rich Glick, the FERC chairman, decided to propose ROFR as the outcome in order to build the record he needed to convince the other commissioners. I hope so. I hope so. But I think the record is compelling and the record is very strong that competition is um, and should be here to stay. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Sharon Segner, LS Power, thank you very much. <laughs>